Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Brandon Thomas on Ministry to the Homeless. One of the misnomers people will have of somebody who's homeless is they're lazy and they don't want to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're lazy and, you know, they, they're choosing this lifestyle. I've yet to meet anybody who's chosen this lifestyle. Uh, I've met several who will say that as a way to cope. Uh, but the truth is, it's been trauma that's that's led to that. Brandon Thomas, next. As cold weather has arrived in much of the country, many thoughts and prayers are focused on the homeless as well as trying to help practically. My guest today is Brandon Thomas, Director of Leadership Education and Program for CityGate Network. They're a nationwide association of rescue missions which focus their ministry particularly on helping the homeless. Previously, Brandon was the CEO of the Winchester Rescue Mission in Virginia. Brandon, tell us about CityGate Network. CityGate Network, formerly known as the Association of Gospel Rescue Missions, is uh, one of the largest uh, networks, or the largest network of homeless provider poverty alleviation uh, resources in the country. So we are a network of around 315 uh, rescue missions or shelters uh, from coast to coast, Canada, as well as uh, I believe we have a few uh, shelters down in the Caribbean. So uh, we have been around about as long as uh, rescue missions have been around uh, since the late 1800s. Uh, and so we, and our job, our goal has been to serve those serving uh, men and women experiencing homelessness uh, since the late 1800s. So you give them ideas of what to do or some kind of uh, some kind of direction we provide all sorts of resources we do an annual conference uh where you know obviously missions from across the country get together and we discuss best practices we uh very heavily connect uh different organizations with what they need we uh we work in dc to uh help with policy Uh, oftentimes what we see a lot of uh homeless uh issues are from bad policy. So we spend time in DC working with policymakers, hoping to change uh, perception and policy that that leads to uh, some of the bad outcomes that we're currently seeing. And so uh, we we try to involve ourselves in all sorts of ways in in helping missions across the country do what they do best. Well, tell us about your your background, uh, Brandon, in rescue mission ministry. When I introduced you, of course, uh, I I said that you were CEO at the Winchester Rescue Mission. (laughs) Tell us what you did and how the Lord led you into that that kind of ministry. Yeah. So my story is going to be a lot like a lot of folks that you're going to meet that do this kind of work. Uh, I've yet to meet somebody who set out to be part of this kind of ministry, uh, but uh, God directed me towards it in, in a pretty incredible way. So I um, had a calling on my life to be a pastor, uh, actually pastor to church. Uh, I started at the young age of 19 pastoring, uh, had moved to Winchester and started a church in 2013. Through my journey of pastoring the church that we started, uh, my wife and I started, uh, I was asked to be on the board of directors for the rescue mission in Winchester. And uh, we, our uh, director that we had at the time, he resigned and we didn't have much of a plan or a way to uh, help accommodate the fact that we didn't have somebody in charge. And so our board president asked me if I could step in and help the mission for a month. uh, And we would kind of figure out what to do after that. Uh, And and I guess we figured out what to do because I ended up being there for eight years. 
Uh, and in that journey, God grabbed a hold of my heart, uh, even to where now I'm, I'm not pastoring, uh, which is something I had done for um, 18 years, uh, but now serving solely in, in rescue mission work. Um, I uh, what, what ultimately ended up happening is I was working, and, and we'll hopefully dive into some of this conversation a little bit, but yeah. as I was working at the rescue mission, uh, I began, you know, God put me in the path of men and women who are experiencing homelessness, who... Uh, their needs were far greater than just a place to stay, uh, mental illness, substance use, those types of things. And uh, my dad, uh, growing up, my dad had uh, schizophrenia, bipolar. Um, and so uh, and the relationship I, I had with my dad was uh, a, a very broken relationship. Um, and my dad passed away in 2014. And ultimately what happened was uh, God used uh what was something so traumatic for me is an opportunity to serve men and women experiencing the same devastating effects that my dad was walking through that I had no idea. I didn't have language for it, didn't have an understanding of it. Um, but God used those things to build empathy in me uh, uh, to serve those uh, most in need. And so um, ultimately, God grabbed a hold of my heart and rescue ministry um, is something I'm extremely passionate about. I believe rescue ministry is an opportunity for uh, the church in America to gain credibility in areas where uh, the church in America has lost credibility. And that's that's something I want to come right back to. But was your dad homeless? He was not. Uh, fortunately, you know that was not something he he ever dealt with. He uh, my dad was a disabled Marine uh, veteran, and so uh, he had. Uh, a lot more resources available to him than most would. Um, but I, I, you know, just to, my dad uh, had a mental uh, break when I was 16 and uh, he tried to kill me. He ended up in a mental institution and I went 10 years without having any kind of relationship with my father, uh, reconnected with him in uh, November of 2012. Uh, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let up and, and led me to go back and uh, reconnect with him, um, you know, forgive him, and uh, which was incredible because little did I know in November of 2012 that my dad would die of a heart attack in April of 2013. Mm. And so, um, and again, God was using all of that in my my life to lead me to where I am right now, uh, serving men and women across the country who are dealing with the devastating effects, who didn't have the safety net that my father had, uh, and because of their illness, ending up on the street at record numbers. Well, Brandon, what is a rescue mission? Yeah, so a rescue mission... Uh, they, they vary in all shapes and sizes and programs and uh, what they do. Uh, but for the most part, a rescue mission is a place for uh, somebody who is uh, experiencing the devastating ill effects of poverty, of brokenness, of um, uh, broken relationships to find healing and hope and restoration. It's a, it's a place that offers uh, many know them as a, as a homeless shelter. Many know them as a soup kitchen. Um, and the missions that I know uh, do all of that. They offer um, community meals. They offer, um, oftentimes they offer medical services. They offer uh, shelter, rehabilitation services, and everything in between. Um, you, you'll find missions that uh, have a robust rehab uh, you'll find missions who have 
uh, an incredible uh, shelter ministry for those coming right off the street. You'll find those that have incredible meal services and those that offer um, some of the best uh, mental health services in the country. Is the proclamation of the gospel always a part of a rescue mission? Yes, sir. So CityGate affiliated rescue missions, uh, everything that is done in a CityGate uh, network rescue mission is done in the name of Jesus. And that might, again, uh, each mission is autonomous and, uh, you know, kind of make their own rules in some ways, other than they've agreed that, that, you know, uh, the gospel is the driving force behind what they do. So uh, some rescue missions offer a nightly uh, chapel service, some weekly, uh, some the gospels presented all throughout their curriculum and they don't do chapel services. It just depends on each mission. However, missions have agreed with us that, that the proclamation of the gospel is the center focus for why we do what we do. Well, my guest today is uh, Mr. Brandon Thomas. He is with CityGate Network. He is the director of leadership, learning, and program there. And also, previously, he was CEO at the Winchester Rescue Mission in Virginia. We're talking about rescue missions and homelessness. Uh, well, speaking of the homeless, and of course, that is a major constituency that rescue missions minister mm -hmm. to. Any any idea of how many there sure. are in the U.S.? Yeah, so homelessness uh, can, you know, kind of be a, a spectrum. You have uh, folks who are experiencing homelessness who, um, you know, it's a, it's a temporary short stay and they crash on somebody's couch and that kind of thing. And then you have what's known as the true homeless. Uh, these are folks that you see on the street who, you know, have no place to go. Um, you know, unfortunately, we don't have really great numbers uh, on, you know, how many are truly homeless. Um, part of part of the struggle for us is is gathering that data uh, because, you know, the, the way the data is collected right now is once a year on the coldest, one of the coldest nights of the year, usually the third week of January is when that data is collected. And so sometimes we don't get a true picture, um, but there is kind of a guesstimate of somewhere in the neighborhood of between 550,000 and 800,000 people a night experiencing homelessness in the United States. And what are some of the major causes or root causes of, yeah. of, of homelessness? I mean, I, again, it's probably a spectrum like what you just said. Sure. Well, the number one cause of homelessness is, uh, you might make many guesses of what that might be, um, but I would say, uh, this is Brandon talking, that the number one cause of homelessness is broken relationships. Mm. Uh, so regardless of maybe the issues that have led to you becoming homeless, uh, typically it's broken relationships. In fact, the average person who's experiencing true homelessness, uh, it usually takes somewhere in the neighborhood of seven years to become truly homeless. Because ultimately what happens, the picture that most of us have in our mind of somebody who is homeless is somebody who lost their job and got thrown on the street. Um, but that's not typically how that scenario plays out. Mm. Oftentimes people have a Rolodex of people they can reach out to and crash on couches and reach out to family and all that. It's not until all of those relationships are burned down before you find yourself in a place of being truly homeless. And so somebody who is experiencing chronic homelessness has all of that trauma, all of that baggage that they're bringing into what, what it's going to take for recovery to get better. So uh, I would say the number one cause is broken relationships. And then under that, you're going to have things like mental illness. Um, you know, I, I could probably spend the remainder of your show talking about mental illness and, and the way individuals who are uh, mentally ill 
And, uh, uh, you know, our culture, our society has said the most humane thing to do with somebody who's mentally ill is to throw them on the street or put them in jail. Mm. Uh, I heard it said that the largest mental institution in the country is the L.A. County Jail. Now, if you could imagine us treating people with diabetes the way we treat people with mental illness, there would be a complete uproar uh, in, in our country over that. Yet, we treat mentally ill individuals in the most inhumane ways. And of course, as believers in Christ, we believe everybody was created in the image of God and deserves dignity and the opportunity to thrive. Uh, yet, every system that exists leaves out people who are mentally ill and they don't get the services necessary. What about um, drug and alcohol addiction? Yeah, so exactly. So, that, so I would say that would be the next category of people who end up, you know, homeless. And oftentimes, again, we have this view, somebody lost their job and then they got addicted to alcohol or drugs and, and, and there they go. But if the scenario that I just laid out, somebody lost their job, you know, ends up, you know, a seven year trajectory to become truly homeless, you can imagine that over time, that's where addictions and things like that begin to build in. Not to mention somebody who's mentally ill, um, if they don't have access to true medication that they need, they've learned to uh, self-medicate by using substances. Mm -hmm. So the idea of we got to get them clean and get them a job is just not as simple as it sounds because it's a much more complex issue than just getting clean and getting a job. So can you paint for us, Brandon? I mean, we, we see, uh, well, at least if we're in a community large enough to have any kind of a homeless population, we might see them walking down the street or pushing a shopping cart or whatever. But can you kind of paint for us a picture of of, of the challenges that uh, that, that person might face? I mean, do you think you take away the shelter, you take away transportation, you take away all of these things, and uh, it's hard to really, for most of us, to imagine. Sure. So, uh, again, if it took seven years to get into homelessness, if that's the average for the for somebody who's chronically homeless, it took seven years to get into that situation. We're not going to get out of that situation overnight. We're not going to get in that, out of that situation by simply getting clean, sober, and a good job. Um, because we we have a we have seven years at least, and that's not counting what childhood trauma and things like that. We've got seven years of trauma that has built up on this individual um, that we've got to overcome before we can you know help get them back into a place where they are uh, flourishing again. Yeah, and so um, for the person that you see on the street that's you know suffering the ill effects of homelessness. Um, Everything they do is is difficult. Uh, you think about, um, you know, one, one of the uh, one of the misnomers people will have of somebody who's homeless is they're lazy and they don't want to work. Mm -hmm. uh, they're lazy and you know they they're choosing this lifestyle. I've yet to meet anybody who's chosen this lifestyle. Uh, I've met several who will say that as a way to cope, uh, but the truth is it's been trauma that's that's led to that. Um, they're not lazy. I've yet to meet somebody who's homeless who is lazy because it's impossible to be lazy when you're in that situation. Everything you do, period, is way more difficult when you don't have an address. I mean, yeah, right. Uh, applying for a job, for example. or It's, it's way more difficult because you don't have an ID. You don't have uh, all the things necessary. Correct. Now, now, why is it that some of them don't have IDs? 
So again, if you're living, you know, in a homeless situation, you don't have a place to store your vital records. You don't have, or, you know, uh, oftentimes they've, they've experienced DUI after DUI after DUI and, and have lost their license. And so never, you know, went back to get it. Um, and so oftentimes there's many reasons why they end up without an ID, but oftentimes somebody experiencing homelessness doesn't have the vital documents that you and I have that make it easy for us to uh, do the things we need to do on a daily basis. Now, you've worked with them, obviously, for some, some years. To what extent do do some of them, anyway, have a, a regular income? In other words, Social Security or disability or something like that? Yeah, you, you'd be probably shocked at how many do have uh, some form of income. Um, I mean, and, and there's a lot of great services, like services offered by a lot of rescue missions, where we will help individuals get disability, get you know, some type of income, uh, but obviously it's not enough income to be able to survive. And because, again, of all the trauma, all the things we've mentioned to this point, um, you know, has led to a substance use disorder that, uh, you know, oftentimes the, the help that they do receive just goes to that self-medication. Well, uh, Brendan, um, what are some of the various ways that Christians propose to address homelessness? I mean, obviously, the rescue mission ministry is a major one, but w what are some of those various ways, and why don't uh, Christians even agree on the solutions or yeah. how, how to help? That's a that's a great question, and, and one that I've spent some time uh, getting to talk about. Um, so the, the best way to answer it would maybe just say, I think what we have an example of what to do in in regards to how to help in the home, you know, with, with an individual experiencing homelessness in the story of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan is often the story that somebody who does this work would go to and point to is why they're doing it. The problem is, is for most Christians, we only talk about half the story. So if you follow this story, what happens is, is an individual, a man is, is heading down a road, and we could argue that he's heading down a road he shouldn't have been on. There's a whole lot to that story that, you know, happens. But ultimately what happens is this man is beaten, left for dead, and he's he doesn't have any clothes on, right? So all, all the awful things that can happen. Well, I think Jesus is really smart in the way he tells this story because you can't point to this man's religious background. You can't point to his, you know, economic status or any of that, because all of the markers and identifying markers of who this guy was and what he was capable of are not present. So ultimately, as you know, what happens, a good Samaritan comes along. And this is where the story gets really important for us as Christians to understand. The good Samaritan who doesn't even have his theology accurate according to the scripture, right? Because he's a Samaritan and his theology might be a little bit more often than the good Jewish followers. Yep. This individual helps with the immediate needs of the person, right? Um, bandages his wounds and whatnot. But then what does he do? He puts the person on his donkey and takes him to the nearest inn where he could get long-term, and I would argue professional care. In other words, to help somebody out of homelessness is not a quick, here's, you know, a gift card or a little baggie of stuff that we put together or sandwiches in the park. It's a long-term investment in the person that has been left for dead. And so if we have a hope of actually solving homelessness, of helping an individual we see left for dead in our community, it's going to be with a long-term investment 
partnered with the professionals who are doing the services. And my argument would be that most rescue missions across the country are those professional services. And we as Christians, as followers of Christ, would do well to partner with those organizations for the long-term success of an individual who's been left for dead. Brendan, uh, in terms of the, and I think you just kind of explained this, for the individual, I guess, let's say you you encounter a homeless person on the street uh, or going in and out of a store and and they, they approach you and, and maybe your initial inclination is to turn away or and then they get your attention and you think, well, I want to help mm-hmm. them. What do you suggest? Right. That's a great question and one that I get often. And there are many that would agree with me and many that would disagree with me on 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 what to do but if if we're having a conversation with brandon i'll give you the brandonology okay what to do. <laughs> all right uh i i you know my my advice always is you know um you do what the holy spirit tells you to do um but make sure you're listening to the holy spirit and not what makes you feel good because what makes you feel good might actually be the thing that is more detrimental to the person who's suffering. Mm. Uh, and so uh, oftentimes the most important thing that you can do is learn the person's name that's in, you know, in need yeah, and then seek them out on a regular basis and call them by their name and learn their story and learn what's going on because most have been ignored. And the easiest thing to do is to throw them $5 and move on. Um, but it, it's also been proven that it costs about $5 to get high. So giving somebody $5 is not always the best option to help. Sometimes giving them dignity is the best option because it builds a relationship, which ultimately leads to us being able to get them the professional long-term help they need. Uh, Brendan, you mentioned uh, early on uh, at the beginning, you said uh, how important it is for the church, the local church to get involved in in, yes. in this issue of the homelessness, and you said it will help the church uh, gain or regain credibility. So what, what yes. do you believe is the role of the local church? So I, I, I love that question. I, I believe the local church, uh, you know, it, it's not far to see or hard to see that the, the local church in some ways has lost credibility when the gospel is the most credible thing in the whole on the whole planet. It's the thing that, that brings, you know, if, if a mission like what we support at CityGate Network loses the gospel focus. We we will lose the opportunity for true human flourishing, which is what our desire is. And I believe the church is the one that has the opportunity to bring that answer. And so I believe that churches, when involved in supporting those who are professionally helping actually invest in what's happening in that community and invest in that professional help it will bring credibility to the gospel because it's ultimately the gospel that's going to bring the life transformation and human flourishing within that individual and so um i believe the church has an incredible opportunity moving forward to show the credibility of the gospel the church and church history has never done well when we've had political power but the church has always done well when we've been at the table, like Jesus, serving those most in need. That's where the credibility of the gospel is clearly shown, not when we have our guy in the White House, so to speak, but when we are at the table, on our knees, serving the person in need. It goes to the life-transforming power of Jesus that, whether homeless or not, that's how people's lives change. He is Exactly how, right. He, he does it. 
A thousand percent. Yes, sir. Jesus said to to love uh, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And certainly this falls under that loving your neighbor as yourself. So what does that look like? I mean, you've got things to consider. You've got the homeless. You've got local businesses, which might be getting nervous about having homeless around, safety issues. I mean, mm-hmm. th- there's a lot of things to navigate, to, to think about, to pray sure. about, right? Yes. And that's and again, that's why knowing who the professionals in the community are who are working in this stuff every single day, what, what I often see happen is well-meaning Christians will serve out of a place of, I just kind of want to feel better and I don't like what I see, versus partnering with the organizations that are doing this professionally who have an understanding of the need who most likely know the person that is asking you for $5. They probably know them, know their story, and know what services they need to be connected with. Uh, But unfortunately, what happens sometimes is out of our motivation to do good, it's a good motivation, uh, we actually make the situation worse because we offer them the five bucks when what they need is the long-term care, not just the quick fix. So, and are you saying too, I mean, you are the uh, Director of Leadership Learning and program for CityGate Network. You were a CEO of a rescue mission. I, I mean, I don't know if a, if a really small community needs a rescue mission, but it sounds like a, a critical part, I mean, it may be the initial part, but of some sort of emergency housing of some place for them to stay. It seems like so many of them just want, yes, especially sir. in the winter months, they just want some place to get warm. Yes, sir. And that's where you get the opportunity to connect them with the services that are needed. And I would say that you know, what we're seeing, homelessness is getting worse across the country, and uh, even smaller communities are now seeing homelessness in a way that they've never seen before. This isn't just an issue that we're dealing with in Los Angeles or Vegas or New York City. This is an issue that every community across the country is really beginning to deal with. Can you talk about that? Uh, why do you feel, yeah. you said it's getting worse, why do you, why do you feel it's getting worse now? Yeah, so I, I, I believe there are several things that are contributing to that. One of them would be the treatment of people with mental illness. Uh, in, in the 90s, we saw a mass shutdown of mental institutions with no real plan of how to serve those who were uh, struggling with severe mental illness. Uh, and then we, we've seen a shift in treating uh, homelessness as strictly a poverty issue. But everything that we have discussed to this point would prove that homelessness is not strictly a poverty issue. If it were strictly a poverty issue, then providing housing and $5 to the person you see in need would solve the issue. Um, and so, but because we, we continue to try to solve it as a poverty issue and not a broken relationship, a mental illness, a substance use issue, without solving it with that lens, we actually create a perfect storm, so to speak, where it's going to continue to grow and the resources necessary to serve those individuals are going to be sparse because we're putting it in the wrong place. Well, well, Brandon, you are involved in leadership at CityGate Network, which is a network of uh, like over 300 rescue missions across the country. Uh, 315 plus rescue missions across the country. Yes, sir. And a number of the communities in our in our coverage area here of Pilgrim Radio have either rescue missions or some very similar uh, organization, nonprofit, which is doing similar work. But what about for communities that, that don't have something like that? Is it difficult? What's involved in starting a rescue mission or something like that? One of the things that um, is part of my new role here at CityGate, I've been here a little over a couple months now, and one of the goals that I have is, is helping to resource uh, folks that 
are seeking to open shelters in their community, helping them figure out what are the things that need to happen to make that happen, because that need, as I've said, is continuing to grow. And so um, I would, you know, that that's one of those conversations that could take a while, but, but it, it starts by uh, getting the Christian community together in your area and, and identifying what the true need is, identifying what resources are available and what gaps and resources are available, and then the Christian community gathering around and not trying to recreate another ministry, not trying to recreate uh, another service in your community, but finding the true gap in your community and then the church doing what the church has been proficient at since Jesus walked the earth, which is meeting the most critical need in a community. When we do that, we get to point back to who Jesus was and what he did in a big way versus just acting like we can do everything bigger and better than everybody else. Let, that's that's how the world operates. We operate by finding the need and the gap in a community and serving that. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Brandon Thomas, with the CityGate Network. Go to citygatenetwork.org. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Miriam Neff with biblically-based advice for women on managing their money. We acknowledge it's all God's on loan to us. So in other words, there's our motivation right there. There's our why. And second, we take responsibility for it. We don't say, oh, but I inherited this debt from my husband. Okay, so you did. Now you got to address that. That's tomorrow at the same time, right here on His People. Thanks for listening.